The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I look at the way Kikini celebrated. I look at the way Limerick celebrates a monster, right? To, to go, we actually want to win the next one. You know, or the treatment is just another game, a little step in the that's, that's a question I have. Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. Now, the All-Ireland Championship is very much heating up. Limerick are looking to retain their title once again. Very happy to say that the 2020 Hurler of the Year is with us, Grouch Hegarty, and he's talking to us as part of the launch of Borgosh Energy's State of Play campaign, which is all about promoting inclusion in team sports. So as part of the campaign, Borgosh Energy sponsor of the Hurling Championship has created 32 limited edition GEA County Pride t-shirts where County Pride meets pride in supporting the LGBTQI plus community. So the t-shirts are on sale. You can get them at hairybaby.com for 20 euro. All the proceeds go to Focus Ireland to support young members of the LGBTQI plus community who are experiencing homelessness. Groach Hegarty, great to have you with us. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me on. <clears throat> on that point, is a GA dressing room an inclusive place, do you feel? I feel it is. I feel um, it can definitely, you know, improve slightly. I think it's more so Irish culture. Um, you know, poor gosh, got on to me there a couple of weeks ago to see what I'd be interested in getting involved in this campaign. And, you know, I'm a school teacher as well. Uh, that'd be my day job. You know, we're on summer holidays now, thankfully, but um, you know, dealing with young people growing up, trying to find their way in life and trying to figure out who they are. I just thought that getting involved in this campaign is is uh, was something that I was very interested in, you know, because obviously I am a school teacher dealing with young people, but I'm also heavily involved in sport, be it coaching young people in school and also obviously involved in, in, a, in an inter-county dressing room. I just feel that, you know, getting involved in this, it just, it's going it's to promote more awareness around the LGBTQI plus community. And also, you know, sport is such an inclusive thing. You know, everyone is, is, is completely um, included in sport. And I think sport is a great way to show and I suppose raise more awareness around this, you know? Yeah. Well, even in your teaching, you're at the cutting edge of that whole situation because I've spoken about it on the show and I suspect it was true of anybody my age kind of mid-30s growing up in secondary school uh, the language the casual language used I suspect was very homophobic it was just uh, uh, you know anything not good was described often in homophobic terms and that was the culture in in Irish life I'm afraid to say yes similar as myself you know when I was in school that used to be the way, that was the way as well um, that improved it, it has, from what I can, from what I can see, it has improved. You know, obviously, I am in school still every day. Obviously, it's a small bit different for me now that I'm not a student anymore. But you know, again, it just comes back to the education around the around the and raising awareness around the issue. You know, and and how how these things are communicated is so so important because, as you said, you know, it, it can be just a throwaway term, but you know, to raise the awareness and the education around the importance of of not using that kind of those slang words to you know have a bit of a mess about it. You know, again. Just, just to, to be aware of, of, I suppose, the damaging aspect that can have. Yes, and I don't want you to, you know, not specific to your school because I wouldn't want to, to put undue pressure on anyone. But, but generally, like again, in my experience, growing up, for instance, in secondary school, and uh, nobody in my school was openly gay. I suspect they looked at the general atmosphere, and it was not one where they thought, "Well, I'm going to share this with the masses." Uh, quite understandably, has that changed, or hard to tell beyond your own immediate experience? No, I think it has changed. Thankfully, right. I think it has changed. I think I think young people nowadays growing up are much more comfortable, um, I suppose, in expressing who they are. Again, getting back to why I got involved in this campaign with, with Borgash was, you know, I just feel that it's important for, for pe- young people and people in general just to be whoever they want to be. Mm. You know, 
I think it's a simple it's a simple message. It's something that I've always I've always felt strongly about. You know, just be whoever you want to be because it's your own decision. You know, don't be don't be too worried about what other people think. And I suppose yeah. that is that is the reason why I got involved in this to raise awareness around you know basically allowing people and getting more people to feel comfortable to be whoever they want to be. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it is. I think it is becoming more more prevalent in schools. Definitely, I think young people are are becoming more and more comfortable. And again, it's just getting to a stage in Irish culture where where these things are just the norm would be great. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And female sports, definitely ahead of male sports. Uh, who knows why? I mean, I, I any variety of reasons, but certainly again, that experience growing up, <laughs> you, you know, we, we prize um, not least GA uh, manliness and being tough. And so those more derogatory terms to talk about failings in sport or being soft, again, that's where that homophobic language probably crept in for a lot of my time growing up again you you hope that dressing rooms are far more um sensitive in how they use language and how they talk about things and 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 you know the fact that we have so few openly uh, professional male sports people uh, it speaks volumes still um, unfortunately it does again and that's and i, I would assume that's why borgasher are launching this campaign you know because the statistics show that there definitely has to be there has to be several um, inter-county players currently that are that are probably part of the LGBTQI plus community you know and mm. that's just the way it is and obviously they don't feel in a position yet to be able to express how, how they feel properly and you know it is a bit of a it is a shame it is a shame but I, I think we have made great strides in our country as a whole in terms of our culture over the last number of years but again as I said at, at the start we still have a bit to go so yes. I think we're getting there but it's uh, as I said we do have a small bit more to go yet Yeah good man look it's a good um, initiative to get involved with so secondary school teacher enjoying your summer holidays good man delighted for you we're all thrilled for you <laughs> why teaching? Um to be honest with you, I wasn't really sure. I was in school and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Even when I was in my leaving cert year, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I was kind of humming and hawing. And all my, all my close friends were actually going doing business in UL. And I kind of just, I went with the, I went with the pack and I said, I, I love business in school when I was there. And I said, you know what, business in UL sounds good. It's only over the road for me. So I went and did that. And again, I was kind of plodding my way through the first couple of years. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And then by about third year, I was kind of coming around to the idea of teaching. I think it just, it really appealed to me. Uh, to be honest, it's just simple things like just, um, my girlfriend was doing a teaching course at the time and she was talking about it and it interests me a lot. And even just help, I know it probably may sound a little, a little silly, but just helping my, I've, I've, I've three sisters and a brother and my youngest sister at the time was in primary school and just helping her with her homework in the evenings with things like maths and stuff, just getting her, getting her to, under, getting her from a point of not understanding a simple sum to understanding it. It just, there's a nice little sense of satisfaction in, in, in doing that. And, I said I'd just go for it you know again I wasn't 100% sure whether I would like it or not and I, and I threw myself into the deep and I did a master's in a PME in uh, in UL in, in business teaching and uh, yeah four years into, into teaching now in Desmond College in Newcastle West and I, and I, and I love it so things mm. worked out in the end thank God Great and that small sense of satisfaction from helping your sister learn something she couldn't understand has that flowed through to your teaching career do you, do you get that sense of satisfaction? I do I do look you know, teaching, teaching gets a little bit of flack in, in, in the main, in the mainstream media from time to time, you know, but it is a great job, you know, um, like I, I do love going into, I do love going into Desmond uh, every day and, you know, I'm a business and maths teacher, but I'm also teaching other things like LCP and LCA and, you know, what I love about teaching is that 
you know, every 40 minutes, you're going to a new classroom with new kids, with new students, and and the, and the environment is constantly changing. It's fresh, you know, it's constantly mm. fresh. Every day is a new day. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely job and it suits me. So I'm happy enough. Listen, I can totally relate. I did English and history in college and I was very close to being a teacher. And that sense of satisfaction you talked about there where you help someone do something. It's a very real thing. It's a very satisfying thing. It's a lovely thing. Yeah, it is. And that's, I suppose, that is the, that is the basis of what I try and do every day when I go in, you know, and it is a, it is a great sense of satisfaction when you can get a group, more so a group, not necessarily, not necessarily even one person, but a group of people to go from not understanding something to understanding something. I know it sounds simple, but it is, it is a nice sense of satisfaction. That you get. Oh, fantastic. So tell me this, Munster Final, you score yet another outstanding goal in your lengthy catalogue. Do you stroll into school the next day? People. Come on, what, 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 everyone, applaud me. What, yeah. you, you're the main man walking down the hallways, high-fiving everyone. <laughs> no, well, I was actually, we were actually finished there. We were on some holidays. So oh, we course. finished up on the Friday. We finished up on the Friday just before the Monster Finals. So, um, Nuisance, you I didn't get the acclaim. That. No, I didn't. I didn't get to do. I didn't get to, to go into school on the Monday morning. I was I was resting and recovering on the Monday morning, as you can imagine. But uh, I, uh, look, it was, one of this, it was one of the sweeter ones. I it was... That's beautiful. See, you're yes. going to do the, you're going to do the GA thing here and be like, ah, look, sure, look, you know. And no, no, no. It was, it was. Look, it was, it was definitely the best goal I've ever scored. I, I'd be, I'd be surprised, but hopeful if I ever, if I ever score a better one than that. I'm not sure if I will, but yeah. to score in a Munster final in a packed hurlers, you know, Limerick and Clare, there's a massive rivalry going on through the years. Uh, like conditions were, conditions were tough on the day, so it was a special one for sure. I'm not taking away from it at all. I'm sure, Good. I'm sure I'll be reminded of it forever when, when, when uh, in years to come, you know. What a roar. It must have felt like the whole place erupted. It did. It did. And like, I normally don't go too mad. Like I've, I've been lucky enough to score a couple of goals over the last number of years. I don't go too mad. I kind of give a few of my, few of my friends kind of give me a little slag for the, the little finger wag that I normally do. But <laughs> I kind of found myself just jumping up into the air as well. Like I, I got caught up in the, in the emotion of it all because it was such an incredible atmosphere, especially at the start of the game and the parade and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's great. It's a great moment to think back on, but hopefully there's there's more to come soon. Yeah, no, look, you're in the chosen few who get to do something like that because you strike the ball and you do this thing and it prompts this reaction in thousands of people there. And, it, mm-hmm. you, you know, for you to be kind of on the, um, the pointed end of that saying, I did that, I'm kind of made all that happen. I mean, that's an electric kind of feeling. The, the, so, it's, look, it's an amazing catch. Tom Morrissey, the catch and the pass. Uh, you flicking it over the defender before you struck the ball. Totally instinctive, I'm sure. You don't, you don't have time yeah. to weigh these things up as such. No, I don't. Like, I was, I was kind of joking with Tom after the game. Like, he said he didn't even know where I was. He just heard me and he knew kind of the vicinity that I was in. So, he just popped it over. And, like, obviously, it was it was a wet day and controlling the ball was a little difficult. So, my first touch, I actually kind of miscontrolled it and set me over to the left a bit. And then I could see a clear jersey coming in from my peripheral vision on the left. So, as you said, it was just instinct to just... I knew he was closing off my path to goal, so I had to do something to get out of his way. So... Said I might as well try to bring the ball with me, you know, and and uh, I suppose the rest, the rest, the rest worked out. The rest worked out perfectly. Yeah, oh man, you got to enjoy moments like that. You're yeah. you're a soccer fan as well, aren't you? I am big, big Liverpool fan. Oh, are you? Okay, so yeah. I mean, even Nathan Collins the other night for Ireland. I guess in in a, in a way you can relate to how those moments happen and unfold. And before you know it, he's chopping a pass someone, and then oh god, I better finish. I mean, these things, this is sport at its best and purest, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And look. You know, they're they're the goals you score, I suppose, out the back when you're when you're a young kid, pretending that you're up in Crow Park or pretending that you're above in the Viva or wherever in, in Anfields. You know, they're the goals that you dream of scoring and uh you never really know where they're gonna come off, but you know, to score one like that that you that you dream of is is, is an incredible feeling for sure. 
Come here, I didn't realise your father played for Limerick. He did. My father heard from Limerick for a long time. Yeah, he, heard, he won a minor in 1984, won a 21 in 1987 and, you know, played in 94 finally, was injured in 96. He played with Limerick for a long time. So, uh, good, good, come from good stock. Because through the magic of technology, what I have in my laptop screen here, I have you on my left, I have me in the middle. And then on the right, I have a picture from the Irish Independent of your dad holding newborn Garoge a couple of days ahead of the 94 Ireland final. And your mother is from Offaly, just to make things yeah, uh, is, yeah. all the best. So like, I'm seeing a photo of you sleeping on your father's arm there in the Irish Independent. Yeah, I think they, I think the the independent came down to the house in in Limerick. I think a couple of weeks, two weeks maybe before the All Ireland final in '94, and obviously they would have been on in September at that time. And I was born in the tenth of August '94, so I was about three weeks old, let's say, by the time they came down. Right. And uh, interestingly enough, like even growing up, I was my mother always says that I was uh, my father's first possession that day. They said, and Joe Hegarty's on the ball, and I wonder is Garrod in the crowd, me all of our hurtic, great me all of our hurtic. So I always say, growing up, even if I don't get an All Ireland final, like I'd always say, I was mentioned him once. So. God, cool amazing. story. Amazing. Yeah. I'm not sure in, in modern day GA would that be allowed to happen that close to an All-Ireland final and mm. photos and all that Probably stuff. Probably not. Probably not. Things have yeah. changed. Things have changed slightly for, for better or for worse. And is, so it, was it always hurling for you as a result or did you dabble in other sports? Uh, no, I, I, I played I played every sport growing up, to be honest. Golf, soccer, rugby, you know, obviously hurling and football, I, I swimming, I, I did everything. But uh, hurling was always hurling was always the, the number one sport, like without a doubt. But you know, I kind of I played minor with Limerick for two years, but never got a look in, and I kind of got a little bit, you know, you I never, wasn't really getting anywhere. I wasn't really you, getting anywhere. You and never, then I got, you never got I a got, look in at minor. No, I didn't know. No, I, that's been that's been widely documented. I've spoken right, okay. about that before. Um, never made the. I was I was a sub. I was a sub when I was under seventeen. I was on it for two years. I actually made the bench when I was under seventeen. And actually, didn't even make the bench when I was a full minor. So I went backwards from from seventeen to eighteen. But uh, I kind of got you know I kind of got a little bit you know I kind of got it just a little bit browned off with with hurling and I got a break with the football. I went in playing football for Limerick for two years and that just completely it it changed my complete outlook and everything and you know it got me I suppose to got me introduced to training conditioning and training hard and being involved in an intercounty setup and. It definitely gave me the springboard then to get on the under-21 panel in, in 2015. John was obviously training us and, and we went from there, you know. But um, yeah, like it is, it is, it is, um, it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah. And your father now, is he uh, very hands-off and, and look, you do your thing, I did my thing, or is he... You know, no, a big part of no, him and very hands off, very hands off. Okay. Yeah, leaves me, leaves me doing my thing. He doesn't, he'd heard, he, he, he wouldn't even ring me before a match or anything. He thought he'd love to talk to me after a match, right? But he just, he's completely hands off. Like he, he would have brought me to the field as a young flat five or six nights a week when he was still kind of trying away with the club and he was kind of just finishing up. But he used to bring me to the field the whole time. But nowadays, obviously, growing up and not living at home anymore, he, he, he lets me do my own thing for sure. Yeah, okay, nice. Um, cause like, geez, you're, you're I, I, I honestly, I, I, I kid you not, like you're just, you're one of my favorite players to watch. I feel sorry for whichever defender you jog over to at the start of the match, because I just think <laughs> like, how do you handle this lump of a, like, you're just a nightmare. And I, I would look at you and I think it's quite interesting now, like here's one of Limerick's, you know, one of the best athletes of his generation. And I'm sure Munster rugby would love to have this fella playing in the back row or, you know, around the field for them. Um, I, I'm sure people have said that to you. Jesus, you would have been lethal at rugby and and a yeah, professional sporting career. Did that ever cross your mind in any serious way? No, it didn't. It didn't. I, 
playing a small bit of rugby with Richmond growing up, uh, they'd be my local club down the road for me. But I never, I never really played it. Like I only played one or two games and I'm never stuck. I never played rugby in school or anything like that. I always felt my, my father always said it was played at the wrong time of year. It's played in the coldest conditions. You know, it's over during the summer when the nice sweater is there, and that just never appeals to me. I don't really, I'm not a fan of the cold to be honest with you. So. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a huge. I wouldn't. I don't know what I. I don't know what I've been a good rugby player now. To be honest, but I would. I would. I wouldn't have minded if I wouldn't have minded if you if you were getting well uh, well paid for it either. So yeah. you know, just just pros and cons to it. So on your holidays now, are you effectively training most days like full time athlete, or how are you filling your time? No, no. Just we train. We train when we train. You know, you might train twice during the week. Train at the weekend and maybe one gym session, and that's and that's all it is. And 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 outside of that, then I just go about my life as normal. You know, it, right. it is it is good that being a teacher, obviously during the summer, plenty of time to recover between sessions and things like that. But no, just go about your go about your life as as, as normal. Like the golf U.S. Open, I will be on this weekend. I'll be glued to that. I might. You know, play a few games of golf here and there over the next few weeks and things like that, and just relax and go to the beach and just chill out and have some have some nice normal normal life as well. Nice. You know, outside Good. outside of hurling. So, yeah. uh, do you consider yourself a, a hurling obsessive? And you're, you're thinking about it a lot. I mean, it sounds like you've got plenty of other things going on. Or where does it kind of feature from when you wake up first thing in the morning? Yeah. Well, look, I try not to think about it too much. You know, but it, it is the number one dominant thing in my life you know everything does revolve around the hurling you know I kind of try plan out my week around training and, and things like that but say on a, on a day off if we didn't have hurling training or anything like that like yeah, I wouldn't think about it at all like I would the hurling be the hurling be left in, in in the room it wouldn't be coming out too much but obviously it is still the most important thing in my life yeah. Um. you know and you got to prepare accordingly and train as hard as you can and recover when you can but you know there's more to there's more to life than just Worrying about hurling twenty four seven too. You know, I don't. No. I actually don't think that's the best way to even to even go about things in terms of if you want to play your best hurling. I think you do need to to be able to switch off and switch on as well. I would think you're right. Uh, can I ask you a question here? I asked this without agenda because I actually don't know the answer to this because this hadn't jumped out to me before. Uh, your red card against Galway and uh, Don Logue afterwards says that Hegarty is a fierce habit of flicking back with the hurl. Now I, pre- I presume somewhere along the last couple of months you've heard that 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 was said. I, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Is that a fair comment? Like, do when you heard that, was there a bit of you going, oh, "Feck, I wish he hadn't said it," but there's a bit of truth in that, or is that off the mark in your opinion? Look, he's entitled to his opinion. It didn't bother me. You know, he's yeah. he's getting paid by RT to to provide his opinion and to provide his punditry, and he's entitled to that. It didn't bother me at all. Hmm. Um, you know, was it stupid what I did that day against Galway? It was. Did I deserve to be punished? I, I did, and I was punished. So. Think things like that happen, and you just got to learn from him. But um, no, like it wouldn't have bothered me too much. As I said, yeah. he's entitled to his opinion. I'd be fairly strongly opinionated myself. You know, so, uh, <laughs> and but was there a grain uh, of truth? Was there a grain of truth in it though, or was it was it off the There was that day. There was okay. that day. But generally, you'd, would you feel that there's a grain of truth in it? Maybe, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, you know, I have got a couple of a couple of I would call them stupid yellow cards, and maybe the Waterford game this year. I think I got one, and maybe the tip came too. You know, but um, yeah. Possibly, possibly there might be something to it. I don't know. I don't know. But look, the game is there to be played. The game, I always play on the edge. I think we play on the edge as a team and we're never going to stop that. You know, I think that's that's what brings the best out of us. But as soon as you stop playing on the edge, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's the way it is. And that's that's what people, I, sometimes I think there, 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 there may be a little opinion out there about us that we that we play on the edge. We do, but everybody does. You have ah. to. Have you to. you have to you know like you you look at the Munster final last day if you were down at the Munster final last day or even watching on TV there was two teams playing to the absolute limit 
you know, and that's the way it should be played. And it was that's why it was one of the best best games of hurling that that there has been for a long, long time because it was played that way. And yeah. in fairness, it was refereed that way. So that's what it makes such a great spectacle. When's the last nice team that won in All Ireland? You know, like it's not how the world works. It's it's senior hurling. It's tough because even Rory Hayes, Peter Duggan. I think a lot of people looked on and thought, oh, like it's it's seventy minutes of tough stuff you know and like this is the reality and, and we're, f- we're freeze framing stuff and we're, we're talking about it in the cold light of day and then they get done and actually n- nobody really that I've spoken to within the game kind of had a massive issue with what happened well, like what they did and thought that oh, this really needed to be poured over like there is a degree of look how did we feel about it at the time and can we just get on with it a little bit you know yeah, sure. Look, they should have been punished in the game, but I'm, I, as I'm not a yeah. huge fan of maybe going back and pouring over, pouring over footage. I also feel like when you slow things down, everything looks everything looks way worse, you know, yeah. in slow motion and things like that. Look, maybe the referee could have he could have been helped out a small bit more by his officials on the day. You know, a couple of those incidents happened really close to where the umpires would have been standing. I'm not sure if they saw it or not, but. Yeah, as I said, I'm not too sure about the, the retrospective action. You know, I, I think if, it, if I put myself in their shoes, it'd be a tough one to take now if you were banned for a following game. You know, so I'm not too sure. It's, it's a, it is a tricky one, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, do you feel if Limerick play their best stuff, they'll pretty much beat every team in the country? Is that how you view things? Or are you... <laughs> uh, look... I, I don't know what I say it as strongly as that, but I feel like, you know, if we go out and perform and, and we hit, we hit, I suppose, all the little, the little the indicators that we want to hit and we, I suppose, get to the pitch of the game and things like that, I feel like we always put ourselves in a great position. And then it just comes down to, you know, making the correct decisions and nailing your shots and, and, and things like that. But we'd always be very confident that if we perform that we will have, we will be there, thereabouts. And that's all you want to be, you know, in the last 10, 15 minutes of the game, you want to be there, thereabouts. And yeah. trust, that you, trust that you'll get over the line from there. Would it tend to be a loud dressing room at half time? Um, no, no, not really, not really. It'd be, it'd be probably a lot calmer than than what people think. There isn't too much roaring and shouting, to be honest, uh, that goes on in the dressing room. I suppose it may depend on on how the game is going, but yeah, uh, no, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be anything too many. There'd be there'd be players having little conversations in their little pods, and then there'd be a, a group chat before we go back out. But there'd be a lot of just sitting down, getting your breath back, having a, having a drink of water, having a drink of lucid and, and, and relaxing for a couple of minutes. And what's your pod, the half forward line? Yeah. Well, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be sitting beside the lads that you're, you're talking out beside, you know, so I'd, I'd be sitting beside the midfielders and half hours. That's just the way you're lined out with your jerseys and stuff. So. And would you have licensed, say, uh, their left half back for some reason seems to be, uh, the, the ball seems to be worked to him and he's getting uh, clearances uh, without pressure being put on him. And you and your pot are saying, why is that? What, what's happening there? What are they doing? Oh, they're doing that. Can you, you need to do this and then I'll get there and we'll stop them having yep. that out ball. Do you have license within your pod to make those decisions yourself yeah. and work that stuff out? Yeah, that's exactly the kind of conversations we'd be having, you know. That's, that's pretty much nailed on exactly what you're saying there. We, we'd be talking about maybe things that they're doing well and how we try and stop them and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. What's your relationship like with John Kiley? Would you talk often? Uh, no, not necessarily. Not, not, not necessarily individually or anything like that. Obviously, John is he's there training every night and he chats us as a group, but I wouldn't be chatting to him individually too much, no. Yeah, I guess no news is good news in that front. <laughs> exactly. It took the words out of my mouth. If, if John is ringing you... It mightn't be. It's it's normally not great, but uh, I know. To be fair, look, he, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to speak to us individually too much. Thank God. Uh, will you, as a last kind of thought? So this this you're you're one of these lucky people in that right time, right place, and and have all the the gifts. So that you, you know the Dublin footballers, the Kilkenny hurlers, any of the. 
teams we talk about, uh, the players come on and they say afterwards, man, I just so lucky I was in that team at that time and like ride that wave for all it's worth. Do you have numbers in mind or targets in mind, which when you get into your 40s and 50s will allow you to say, yeah, made the most of that. That's that's the metric by which I'll look back on my career and feel satisfied, either making history or just winning X number of All-Irelands. Or do you use a different metric? Could Like if, if, if you know, your career kept going now and you didn't, you know, you lost a couple of close All-Irelands and, and that was it, what you've won, you've won, but you never quite won it again for some odd reason, would it, would it irk you? Do, you? do you think in those terms about wh- where you want to be when it's all over? Honestly, no. I don't. I don't think about metrics. I don't think about in years to come. I don't think about when I'm retired, what I want to have won and what I want to have played and et cetera, et cetera. Honestly, I just, I just focus on, I don't even, I'm not even focused on the semifinals, to be honest. I'm mm-hmm. just focused on this week of training. I'm just focusing on training tomorrow. We've training tomorrow night and, you know, just getting prepared as best I can for training tomorrow night. I know it can be the boring answer and it's not the great answer that, that people want, but that's just the way we, we deal with it as a, as a team. We, we don't focus. We never look too far down the line. We go week by week. And as I said, I'm just focusing on training tomorrow night and then getting ready for Sunday. And that's it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's potentially the way you gotta, to go. You, you, know? you, have to live in, you have to live in the present a little bit because what I, I personally, I feel once I start, once I start looking down the line, looking into the future, that's when you get complacent and that's how you get caught. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And also like those targets can be limiting. I mean, if you like your golf, then you'd know the name Bob Rutella. And I was just reading mm. his latest um, book. And he made an interesting point. Like he said, as soon as you, you aim for a target, you can set a limit for yourself. So he reckons it's a perverse thing to say, maybe. He thinks like Nicholas having 18 majors hindered Tiger. And he says like if, if Nicholas had had 30 majors and Tiger was going for 30 majors, Tiger might have won 24. Mm. But as soon as like the target is 18, you tend to go somewhere somewhere around that target, which I thought was a very interesting point. I don't know if he's right or wrong on that, by the way, yeah. but maybe just just keep doing your thing day in, day out and see, like yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out when it's all over. Absolutely. There'll be plenty of time to look back in our careers when we're finished, you know what I mean? There's no point, to, there's no point trying to set targets now. We've just got to keep going. We're on a good roll, so why not just keep going, doing what we're doing? Don't fix yeah. it if it isn't broken, you know? Well, exactly, exactly. Listen, uh, really enjoyed chatting to you. We covered a lot of ground there, Groach Hegarty. And I should mention again that you're uh, speaking as part of the launch of the Board Gash Energy uh, State of Play yeah. campaign. So it's about promoting inclusion, which we discussed there. So there are county, GA County Pride t-shirts available in your county colours to support the LGBTQI plus community. So the t-shirts are on sale. You can get them at hairybaby.com for 20 euro. And uh, most importantly, all the proceeds go to Focus Ireland to support young members of the LGBTQI plus community who are experiencing homelessness. Uh, Listen, keep it going. July 17th will come around quickly and then you'll be feed up for the rest of the summer. Uh, Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, Thanks (laughs) Thanks very much. Good luck. Cheers. Bye now.